0: Welcome to another episode of IGN Unfiltered, our monthly series where we sit down with the best, brightest, most interesting minds in the video game industry, and I am joined by uh, one of the best, brightest, certainly, Ed Boone. Ed, uh, thank you so much for having us. We're in your motion capture studio, deep within the heart of NetherRealm. Yes, yes, yeah, this is, uh, we've been here about uh,
1: a little over six years now, and um, I'm glad to do this.
0: So yeah, we we can, we're, we're motion capturing this whole interview, you'll be able to play this interview as an Easter egg. In injustice to, no, you really won't really be able to do that. But um, I appreciate you you having us here. Uh, This is the longest I've ever traveled to do an unfiltered, and and I'm uh, just delighted that that you've had us here because you've had an incredible career that I am very eager to ask you about. And I wanted to start and ask you about Chicago. That's where we are. That's where you're from. You're a Chicago guy. You're obviously still here. Yeah. Curious. Why do you think there isn't a more active game development community in chicago you know there are a couple of big studios but it's nothing like the west coast or yeah, a pacific yeah, northwest yeah, it's
1: probably because it's cold you know that's a big part of it you know i think game developers are tend to like to uh... like to relax as much you know you know when they're not working on games which is a lot yeah. they like to have you know like you know something to enjoy the sun we have a you know we have uh a good several months of really nice weather but uh... it gets really cold especially now in january it's uh... it's it's pretty tough to find uh...
0: outdoor activities did did uh... did any work get done the day after the game seven of the world series here um, i have to ask as a baseball fan yes actually <laughs> uh... Um, believe it or not yeah we were we were we were pretty
1: knee-deep into into our latest game and so uh, everybody, everybody was talking about it but uh, it was um, we actually got back to work, yeah.
0: And that game is Injustice 2, we'll, we'll get to that. Uh, but I wanted to back up a second, I'm curious, were you always interested in games as a kid? When, when did you know that you wanted to work in games for a living? Was it one of those things where you planned it out or did you kind of stumble into it? Um, I think my first exposure to
1: games was pinball machines, you know, there was a, there was a bowling alley down the street from, uh, not down the street, but uh, c- a couple miles from my uh, my house that, uh, that we were growing up in, and, you know, th- my my parents would like let my brother and I, you know, just kind of go crazy, you know, in, the, in this arcade, and um, so I was really into pinball, yeah. and one day they moved in this big machine called Space Invaders, which was like, you know, oh, a video game, and my brother really... Attached uh, to it and was playing it, and I was kind of rejecting it because I liked pinball and all that stuff. And then, then I started playing it um, soon after games, you know, Pac-Man and all that stuff came out. And when Defender really hit, there was a game called Defender, an arcade game. um, That's when that was. I I really got hooked on a game. Like like I I have to. That was your that was your killer app, as it were. Yeah, exactly. That's that's the game that really got me into. uh, not only being uh, into the game, but into, you know, how they made it, and I, I, you know, I, I read this magazine called Joystick, which covered the two guys who, sure. who made it, you know, Eugene Jarvis and Larry DeMar, and they, um, you know, I was just reading about them and, you know, how, how they're making games, and that, that really intrigued me, and so as much as I loved playing games, I was also into the, you know, the, the, the science of making them, so I got a personal computer. Started putting pixels on the screen and learned assembly language, and uh, that from that point on, I, that that was really kind of my, my, you know, when I got just kind of hooked in the game industry in general.
0: So that I mean that clearly, so there was there was a like a just a latent seed in your brain somewhere because most people probably would just play the game and enjoy them yeah. but you 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 had that curiosity to want to learn more was, about it yeah and, and
1: and and pretty quickly i was more interested in how they were made than the games themselves you know like i would see something and i it's almost like you know you're almost like studying it yeah you know how did they scroll the screen how did they get so many you know uh sprites are you on the what screen 10 at or once? so at this point no no here? no i was like like uh Fifteen or something okay. like that, or uh, so it was pretty young. But uh, you know, just just getting into because I remember looking into like you know the, the, our high school you know computer science class and whatnot for for starting to actually take it a little bit more seriously. Yeah.
0: yeah. So uh, you graduated from the University of Illinois and ended up, according to your Wikipedia page, and working on over twenty pinball games at Williams over the course of a couple of years. Yeah, I don't know if twenty might be a high number, but I. Touched
1: a whole bunch of them, sure. you, know, um, and, you know, and, you know, and I did the voice for a lot of pinball machines, oddly. Um, you know, at, at the time when you're making pinball games, we weren't hiring actors like we do now. Right? We, we, we were. It was like, you know... The developers. I, yeah, right? exactly, and I would, I would do a bunch of funny voices and stuff, so somebody would say, oh, can you, you know, come <laughs> in and be this jet pilot for this game, and can you be the, the, the game show host for this one, and be, there's a game called Fun House where it had a talking... Um, talking puppet that would kind of taunt the player There's like a (laughs) hundred lines and they got me to do that and
0: so i did so if you count the voices games i I think you can it could be uh could be as high as 20. so i'm curious because i love pinball we have a couple pinball machines at ign uh what's the design process like for pinball and how does it sort of compare to a video game because you know again i it's got to be a or is it a different process it's a completely
1: different process it's it's you know it all starts with um I guess probably the theme and the play field are at the same time. So you say we're going to make a game called, you know, at the time, there was, one of the first games I worked on was called, a game called F-14 Tomcat. So it was, you know, it's called, you know that was when Top Gun came out sure. and that was the big rage. And um, So they knew that was going to be the theme, the, the play field designer would lay out the shots and where the bumpers are and where the lanes and everything are and it's on a white wood, it's a piece of uh, just, just a piece of raw wood, and when they would hook up all the switches, then they would give it to the game programmer, who was me, Right. and then we would start programming in rules, and saying, okay, this score is this <laughs> amount, then you gotta lock the ball here and do all that, and while you're doing that, the artist is working on the graphics for the back glass and for the play field, and then it all kinda comes, come, it comes together, and um, you know, projects were about, when I was working on them, there were about eight, Eight months uh, from beginning to end, and uh, some some were quicker, some were longer, but uh, that's basically the process.
0: Do you have a? Is there one that sticks out as, as your favorite pinball game that you worked on? That I worked on? Um, yeah, there was a game called uh, Black Knight Two Thousand. It was actually the last
1: pinball game that I worked on, um, and it, it it was vicious. It was like just a mean game but <laughs> but if you were good you you really had a good yeah. time but i mean i would see the dark people... souls
0: of pinball games yeah right? yeah yeah exactly <laughs> I,
1: I that game and i did a game called taxi um before that which i, I really enjoyed as well too but there, there was a number of games
0: that uh, a lot of fun so if you loved pinball as a kid and then you end up out of college working for williams making pinball games was that like a dream job to you yeah you know what um my
1: my resume um i was looking for you know a job. Uh, You know, like I was sending it to banks and, you know, and I never thought that, you know, that this, you know, dream job would actually become reality. I was just like, okay, I'll end up working for a bank and doing programming and then doing this game stuff on the side. And one of my resumes had actually the only resume I've ever made in my life has has had uh, had a little asterisk at the bottom. And it said interest in video games, (laughs) you know, and it was like more of like a hobby I was referring to and a headhunter got it and then he sent it to the guy who was the head of software for the pinball division and said you, you know you interested and then they gave me a call and I walked in there expect thinking that it was a uh, an interview for a video game programmer Yeah. because yeah. uh, the guys who were there were the guys who did joust and defender and all these games that I was like you know idolized and, uh, and he's talking to me and he's going on and on and then he said you know and he mentions pinball and I go pinball? And like, yeah, this is for a pinball programmer. I was like, oh, I thought it was video game program. I'm sorry. You know, and he goes, so are you still interested? I said, yeah, <laughs> I'm interested. And so that got me in, you know, I got that job and that was at Williams Electronics and they were building a, um, uh, uh, the next wave in video games, like their new hardware for a game called NARC at the Oh, time. I love that
0: game. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: And uh, so they were doing that downstairs while I was working on pinball. So I kept going downstairs and talking to those guys and saying, you know, oh, you know, getting excited about that. So when I finished my last pinball game, you know, I kind of talked them into letting me join the video
0: department. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. what I remember about is those damn Dobermans. Yeah, yeah. Fighting <laughs> <laughs> you. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, oh, yeah. man. Yeah. So at what point do you meet John Tobias?
1: John, God, John was really young when he got to... to Midway at the time, um, he was like nineteen, um, and John arrived with about the same time as another guy named John Vogel. And they, their office was—they shared an office and it was adjacent to mine. And uh, John started working on a game called Smash TV. That was oh, the, the first that. game he was working Absolutely. on. Absolutely. And uh, I'd I buy was that for
0: a dollar. Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I was working on um, a, a football game called High Impact Football, either that or the sequel. And, uh, and then John and I were talking about, um, you know, games in general. And, and at the time, there was a game called Street Fighter. Yeah. Street Fighter 2 came out. And, you know, at, at the time, the characters were huge on the screen. And we were talking about, you know, we have digitized graphics. Their characters are so huge, but they're kind of like anime kind of drawn. Wouldn't How cool would it be to do, you know, a game that had... Big digitized graphics, because the bigger the images are for digitized graphics, the better they look, the right. more realistic they look, they less pixelated, and so we, you know, we just kept that conversation going on while we were working on our games, and um, then we put a demo together with uh, uh, using using images from the movie Bloodsport, uh, Jean Claude Van Damme, <laughs> and and everybody got excited about it, and that was kind of like the catalyst of uh, of of you know starting the first Mortal Kombat game.
0: That's interesting. Yeah. What,
1: what do you think made you
0: guys such good partners? Um,
1: we, we had a really good... Um, uh, um, John was a really good artist, and I was a competent programmer, and between us, we can implement any idea that we right. came up with. So I had a lot of ideas for visuals, and he was like, okay, I can do it like this, and he would have ideas for like... Um, like the gameplay stuff, and so we we both contributed on um, any area that we wanted like, like so it 's just us yeah. you know so you know let's just and, and so I think that you know you know that was really kind of the core of why you know if you had an idea, the other one agreed, yeah that 's cool, we can make it happen it was it was it was a really um, it's a really good relationship in that respect. That we didn't, uh, you know, we, there was there wasn't like this
0: this line
1: of you do this and I do that type of thing. It was we're doing the whole thing.
0: Collaborative, yet clearly you were you kind of had complementary skills. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So you mentioned a minute ago the, the sort of genesis of of what became Mortal Kombat, the digitized graphics. But when did that become Mortal Kombat? When did you kind of guys kind of lock in on? Oh, this is it. Um there was one moment
1: there was a moment um when um like I said we were using images of Jean Claude Van Damme and piecing together something that was kind of really crude and uh but then um, we got you know some of John's friends um you know new you know wushu and karate and all that stuff like that so you know, we went to a costume store, we, we got a, you know, we were trying to make a, a Jean-Claude Van Damme game. Right. And so we got a, um, uh, we went to a costume store, got, you know, uh, found pieces of costume that were, w- would look like Jean-Claude did <laughs> in, um, in Bloodsport. And, um, and we had um, one of John's friends came in and, you know, kicked and punched and did all these things for us. And one of the moves that we had was the, the uppercut. It was like, you know, you're ducking, oh, yeah. you hit the high punch, you, you, you know, screen shakes, you know, a guy flies up in the air and lands on the ground. And, you know, when we got that happening, I remember like just that stupid little, you know, uppercut and the guy landing and everybody, you know, <laughs> and blood flew and all of a sudden <laughs> that's when like people were like coming into my office and like, you, I heard about the Suffer cut you got to show me it and I show you know, ten guys in a row would, would come back doing that, and that's when we were kind of like okay something's something cool is happening here I think that's when the game became what it is you know like as far as Mortal did, Kombat.
0: did and then so then did fatalities was that sort of the next natural step no fatalities didn't come until later um, uh,
1: um, when it, it, I played a lot of Street Fighter, and, and one of the things about Street Fighter that that annoyed me and I loved was when you get the other guy dizzy. You just beat the crap out of them, and then they're like dizzy. And, and, and when you're the guy who's dizzy, you're just like, oh God, now you get to hit me again. You know, like that. And that was such a bad feeling, and it was such a good feeling when you're the guy who's yeah. attacking them. And so... I was really kind of feeling, you know, I want to have that good feeling, but I don't want to give the other guy the bad feeling. So we moved the dizzy to the end of the fight. When yeah. you lost, so you're dizzy, and then we just give the guy, okay, now here's your chance. Just, <laughs> Finish it. And usually people would just do an uppercut, and that would, like, feel better. Yeah. And then that kind of evolved to, what if you could do something special at the end? <laughs> and then kind of the rest is, like, history. Do you remember which fatality came first? What was the first one? I think the uh, Kano... Um, Tearing the the guy's heart off. It's so it's so cliche martial arts movie type of thing, you know. Because we would say, you know, you could show your heart before you die. Right. You know, that was a big, you know, <laughs> some uh, some some myth in some uh, kung fu movie.
0: So uh, when did you first know that Mortal Kombat was a hit? Uh, did, was there was there a moment that that you can remember that you were sort of like, oh, oh this is. Life's not going to be the same anymore.
1: Yeah, I think there were like there were a few stages of them. The first one was when we brought it to an arcade, and there was a you know like a a, a literal crowd around the machine. You know, and you know you would see something happen, and the whole crowd would like you know like kid, It was at the time it was like you know younger kids were playing it. It was like yeah. you know, fifteen years old and stuff like that. And they would like run around. They would get so excited. They would just physically <laughs> run around when they saw, you know, Scorpion took his mask off and blew fire and, and, and burned the guy. And then, you know, how did that happen? It was such a mystery to it. There there was there was a moment there where we were like, wow, this is like this is pretty big, you know. And um and then like other stages when like the 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 arcade cabinets that we were making um would be um we just sold so many of them, you know, yeah. like like they couldn't just keep kept, up. yeah, couldn't keep up with the the demand. And probably the biggest one was I think it was at a consumer electronics show. Uh, Acclaim had the the rights to publish our game, and they said we're going to make this game big. We're going to put ten million dollars into advertising it. We're going to, and I remember like you know they brought me upstairs and they showed me a TV commercial. It was the the kids going Marvel, you know, yelling, <laughs> and I remember saying to them, um, you know. I think you're you're betting a little bit too much on this, you know. I don't, I don't, you know, I don't think you should. Uh, you're expecting a little too much. I was always really cautious with that, you know. I did yeah. that with the with the, the arcade games and stuff. We were just like, you know, don't don't expect too much out of it, and they would looked at me like I was like crazy, like like you know, this is going to be the biggest thing in the world, and um and they to their credit, you know, acclaim, raised it to a new yeah. level of of exposure and stuff like that that. I don't think Midway would have, like, you know, necessarily put up that much kind of confidence and money into it like that. Because so.
0: you know, back then, that was, you know, early '90s. That's the that was sort of the last the last hurrah for arcades, the last time that arcades were big. And I, I feel very lucky to have grown up in that time. Yeah. Yeah. Do, so you know, it was everywhere. Do you remember like? Was it, was it making some crazy amount of money every month oh, for yeah. the arcades? Was it was... It, it was would you see a spreadsheet and just be like, whoa! Yeah, and it, it, it was, you know,
1: our first test, the coin box got full and was jammed, <laughs> and it wouldn't take, you know, and so we got a call from our, you know, the, from the field tech guy, and he said, you know, there's something wrong with the game, we all went there, you open the door, and money know, Yeah, it just comes pouring out, and we were like, wow, this is like, <laughs> this, is, this is a problem, and... and um, and you know, later on, when we were doing the arcade cabinets, people were breaking into the machines, leaving the money and stealing the circuit board so they could resell it on the uh, on the open Jeez. market because that was where the money was. You know, you can take your your thousand dollars, you know, but I've, we've got you know this, uh, this circuit board that we can sell for really big money because they were very there was way more demand for the, the game than, than there were you know games that we can make right.
0: Uh- with all the controversy surrounding Mortal Kombat uh, when it first became popular, do you have any good like parent letters that are still on your wall or things about? Cause, you know it was the the violence was at the time you know very controversial. Yeah.
1: Um, no, I didn't get. I, I don't think I got any 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 letters. Um, the, the 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 odd thing about it was the game was out for a year. You know, before um, before. Acclaim um, made the home versions. And like I said, you know, we made a ton of them. We made a ton of arcade units, yeah. and they were all over the world. And, um, and this game was there. And, but it, it, it didn't reach like this mass market you know, like penetration into the public and all that stuff. And, but Acclaim's ad campaign and stuff, like I said, they did such a great marketing job that people saw it who otherwise would have never seen it in their life and then there was no such thing as a ratings that's uh, true there was no m-rated game. yeah there was no that it was just another video game that has blood <laughs> you know so people's reactions were like you know it's kind of like um like explicit lyrics in a in a in music right. before they had to put that in uh an r-rated movie versus a pg-13 movie you know all that stuff and it was our to me it was our industry kind of Kind of maturing to the point where it needed these kinds of things, and I was always, you know, of the opinion that, yeah, you know, a six-year-old should not be playing this game. You know, <laughs> I was always, you
0: know, I was never, I was never fighting for. No, I want little kids to play this game. That was never ever that. Uh, what was it like seeing that creation, Mortal Kombat, get turned into a major motion picture? Uh, it was it was surreal in a lot of ways.
1: Um, you know, we went to the to 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 some of the the where they were shooting the movie like in LA and and whatnot and uh you know so we all of a sudden we see this big you know Goro uh you know
0: uh animatronic yeah
1: exactly uh just kind of there so that's like you know so all of a sudden these these ideas that we were just kind of you know just between us going wouldn't it be cool if we did this (laughs) all of a sudden is being produced by a a you know a movie studio, which was was a really huge deal at the time, it was kind of a um a um it, it, it was it was hard to kind of process of like you know and again it was one of those things i was like you know are you are you guys sure you wanna you know bet so much on this that was always that was always kind of like my 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 reaction to when something would take the next step of kind of you know In pop culture,
0: I know you got to uh, do—you got to voice Scorpion in the film. But were you otherwise? Was you and your team otherwise creatively consulted on the movie at all? Um, Similar to like the acclaimed thing, but not like you
1: know, an official. You know, you can't make the movie without these guys approving it. We had we had some pretty interesting discussions. You know, they, they they were. They they had some pretty wild like suggestions for characters. I remember them saying you know they wanted Danny Glover to be Raiden, you <laughs> know, and they had you know so they had some pretty. I'm too old for this. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And they had um, you know Kano uh, originally just had like a pirate eye patch, and they would screen it for you know we were like you know no 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 he's got to have the big plate, and they would screen it for people like you know focus groups and right. they would say you know no that's you know like you know. Players were like fanatics. At, you know, like you know that is not Kano. He does not have an eye patch. He has this, and so they're okay, okay. And so that, that course corrected
0: them a few times. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, why is I have to ask you? Why is it that Mortal Kombat is still the best video game movie ever made? <laughs> what what um, was it about about it that uh, I don't I don't know. Um,
1: I, I, there've there been a couple other ones that have, that have done pretty well. I realize that's um, sort
0: of. I'm not trying to issue you a backhanded compliment with that because there've been so many it, bad video game movies. Yeah, but there's way, way more it, bad it, ones. It was, it was good, and it still held up as like just a fun yeah, movie. Yeah. You know, if it, you if you looked at it from that
1: exactly as you described it, I think you can go, yeah, like like it wasn't you know it wasn't The Godfather, you know, it wasn't <laughs> it wasn't Goodfellas or something like that, but uh, it it certainly like like scratched a lot of the itches that, that people wanted to see. And they were like, oh, I want to see Johnny Cage do a shadow kick. I want right. to see this scorpion say, get over here. I, wanna, I want all these kind of, you know, so, so they, 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 they pasted out, I thought, with, you know, these kind of nods to the game that
0: satisfied a lot of people who loved the game. So, yeah. um, so John Tobias ended up leaving in 2000. He started a new studio. I'm just curious, was the parting amicable, and do you guys still talk at all? It was. Um, you know, Midway was going
1: through a lot of, of transition in a, in a lot of ways. And, um, um, you know, John always wanted to tell a more elaborate story that, that really, at the time, couldn't be told in a fighting game. You know, yeah. Now we're, we're doing a lot more elaborate stuff. But in the days of sprites and all that stuff, you, you, you couldn't really tell you know, our story was really just like a paragraph, you know, introducing a character, and then a paragraph when you would finish yeah. the ladder, and there's, there's Johnny Cage, you know, like, like that was the extent of it. Um, so John always wanted to do that, and he actually did a game called um, uh, Mortal Kombat Mythologies, it was like a, a story on Sub-Zero. And, um, then, and I was kind of still working on the fighting games, but we were kind of, you know, you know kind of consulting with each other and stuff. And so I think, you know, like my recollection of it is when, when he was working on um, the next game, which was called um, Special Forces. Yeah. And, um, you know, they, they, they I, you know, we, we were less involved with, with each other's stuff at that point. And, you know, was... Dissatisfied with with, with something, I, I guess I can't really speak for him too much about that, and you know, just decided that he wanted to go. I think I think John always wanted to also, um, kind of, um, like, have more more ownership of of the the characters that that were made and stuff. You know, Mortal Kombat was you know, big and yeah. um, you know, so so I think he just you know decided it was time to go so but we we, we were fine you know we Good. like john, i said we we nice. had um and you know to this day we, we we still talk and stuff like that um john lives in san diego now because you know john was born in chicago i was born in chicago the game was made in chicago it's such a you know chicago uh uh you know fingerprints all over it uh all over the game and so uh so i was actually surprised when he moved
0: to uh, san diego uh so uh you mentioned special forces, and then there was Shaolin monks. Right. Did did that was, was that was Shaolin monks his John's as well or no John John was gone by the time Shaolin
1: monks came. Um, Shaolin monks was, uh, it was it was an interesting uh, thing. There was we were sent like a uh, like a demo of what was uh, Raiden running around in a in a action adventure type game, yeah. which is similar in kind of perspective and, and, and all that that Shaolin Monks ended up being. And uh, the, the the studio that was doing it was was located in Moore Park and they were kinda like, hey, you know, we'd love to do this game. And they showed it to me and I was, you know, I you know, I was like, wow, this is pretty cool. But my feeling was, you know, we did we didn't we needed to do like a little bit, a little bit more. So it was kinda like I suggested, you know, we do two characters. Let's not, you know, just have it one character. Let's have two at the same time, which introduced a number of problems, but ultimately was was cool. And um, let's make it Liu Kang and Raiden, or Liu Kang and Kung Lao, and let's, um, you know, make it a lot more of a cooperative thing, you know. And so uh, that that really kind of set the direction of what the game ended up being. And then at that point. We started working with them, so I was flying to LA a lot and um, working with the team there. And you know, met a lot of a lot of great developers who um, are, are still friends now. Some are on our team. Some went on to work on God of War. Some went on to you know these. It's, it, you know, really, um, like that 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 team was. There were so many uh, talented guys on that team that. Um, you know, it was, and and I think that that, sh- that was a big part of Shalom Monk's success. Because, you know... Um, uh, it was, myth- it was a really good game. Yeah, mythologies and and special forces, you know, didn't do that well. And, you know, especially with special forces, it less, left a, a bad taste in people's mouths for, like, you know, Mortal Kombat games and action-adventure, you know. And so we were really determined to... Kind of reverse that whole trend
0: did and, it i mean was it sort of was it refreshing for you to work on something else that wasn 't a one on one fighting game at it, that was, point?
1: it was it was it um, was you know um, the the everything was different it was a different type of game it was a different kind of development you know I, it wasn 't um, you know I spent a lot of time in airplanes but uh <laughs> but it was it was a lot of fun and it was um, you know something that uh, one, to me, one of the, the the funner moments of you know these last twenty so
0: years. I mean, and that, that leads me. I've, I have to ask you. I mean, be honest. Do you, do you ever get tired of making fighting games? I mean, you've effectively been doing it for twenty five, thirty years at this point. Yeah, you um, know, we've we've actually had some
1: uh, breaks and diversions over the years. That it it, it hasn't only been fighting
0: games. Like like. You chipped in on uh, one of the with Rocksteady a little bit, right? Uh, one point. Well, we did. We did a game called The Grid, which was kind of like a like a
1: third-person you know arena type game, which was in the arcades and it was like six machines linked together. That was that was a, that was a blast. We, we we still actually have one in our in our cafeteria, that you know we still play, and you know in the Shallow Monks, and then we had done in within the Mortal Kombat games we did some, like these diversions games, you know, we did this puzzle game and a little go-kart game and all that stuff and those let us have like some kind of
0: outlets for like, you know, different ideas that we had, so. Uh, I mean, do you, the, the the industry has become so much more risk-averse these days because, the, you know, the, the investment's so much higher at it yeah. you know, it's. It, are, do you do you feel are you stuck making fighting games for the rest of your career because that's because you're a safe bet in that <laughs> um, or
1: well it's it is it's nice to be considered uh, reliable um, I I uh, I would be surprised if I never did uh, a non-fighting game again you know and um, you know we've like I said we've 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 had our little diversions been and uh, so I don't I don't think that would be. I don't think I would say I'm only going to do fighting games for the rest of my life.
0: Are you are you kicking around? Do you have sort of do you keep a, a, a diary or journal of of ideas for oh, we non-fighting games that yeah, you that absolutely. you add to or reference from time to
1: time? Absolutely, yeah, all the time. Yeah, right now you know the the thing is, in we did uh, Injustice, and you know it, it was it was great that it did well, but now it's like okay, so. Now that's a thing, you know. So, so, so we're not doing o- only Mortal Kombat games. Right. So we're kind of, so far we've we've kind of leapfrogged them, you know, and uh, which which is cool in the sense that you know we're not releasing a Mortal Kombat game every year what? or every other year and stuff like that, which I think would make it, things really get stale, you know.
0: That's exactly what I was going to ask you. All. Is uh, do you think it's creatively healthy for the studio for NetherRealm to? As they have been anyway, alternating back and forth. Does it, Do you think it makes, maybe? I don't know if it if it's keeps the team uh, from leaving. <laughs> Does it yeah. kind of keep everybody yeah. from getting
1: burned out? Absolutely. I, you know, I, I um, that that's been one of the, the the great things about Injustice doing well is you know we can go into the you know the DC superhero headspace you know and and we we carved out this this alternate universe where superman's a dictator and batman you know they're, they're adversary and so that's fun to kind of like you know you kind of scratch that itch and while you do that for a couple of years then people go yeah i have some ideas for uh <laughs> for for a fatality or something like that and it's so it's 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 actually served as a really nice um uh you know, change of pace for the, for the whole studio.
0: Yeah, do you, I mean, do you ever, have you ever talked to Todd Howard about that? Because they do that same thing too, and I feel like that's... I haven't gotten to ask him about it, but I feel like that does the same thing for them, where they go between Fallout, yeah, as, yeah. That, that came into their lives, and, and the Elder Ruminals. Scrolls, yeah, you guys yeah, have that same yeah. thing going on. Yeah, yeah. Um, sure. When Midway shut down in 2011, if I have my date correct here, were you ever worried uh, at that point about either your own future, the team's future, or the Mortal Kombat IP's future?
1: No, um, the timing of the things was was interesting because it was it was um, it it was kind of depressing in the sense of like you know we were like five teams at one point we were NFL Blitz you know uh, Hang Time and Showtime yeah, What NFL came in there uh, yeah right? exactly and and uh, and then there was like this game called PsyOps and I you know Stranglehold that. and and Mortal Kombat had a, a series of games. And then slowly, over time that that shrank, you know, and it was fewer and fewer people, fewer games um, and before the midway thing happened, there was already discussion about our team, like they were they were saying, you know, you know there's a lot of people who are who are um, you know interested in in, in you know uh, picking the team up and whatnot and so i you know I actually personally spoke to a number of uh different uh studios and eventually we we talked with Warner Brothers and Warner was like the clear place that we belonged you know um just just talking for a little while but uh so we always knew that there was like a demand you know so that that so gave us reassuring yeah and that that gave us a feeling of 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 kind of security and 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 you know there were a lot of layoffs, and we always made a point to to management like you know. We are not going to lay off one person on this. You know, we've never had a layoff wow, at Midway, great. or this whole time at as NetherRealm. That was a big thing, and we told the team, "I said, if we continue to do well, you know, we're all good." You know, and that was like a, a, a real commitment that we made, um, and and I think everybody kind of got that at that point.
0: Did uh, I'm just kind of curious did did you own the more or did or do you own the Mortal Kombat IP, or did Midway own it and then it transferred? Midway owned it, um, and so um, yeah. I don't. Does I that don't, kill I don't you? you is that that, that it's because it's your thing? And you
1: know, it doesn't. Um, um, uh I don't know how to say this. I I feel like I'm fairly compensated. You know, like, sure. I, I I don't feel like I'm being ripped off. I feel like they they take care of me,
0: and uh, you know, that, that's so. Well, you know, yeah, I mean, as long as yeah, you feel yeah, good yeah, about it, yeah, and you're yeah, not just a, you know grizzled, yeah, <laughs> grizzled yeah. guy who's ready
1: to... Yeah, and you know, the reality, though, is like when we made um, Mortal Kombat, you know, um, there are other guys who, who, who've made games, you know, you know, a good friend of mine, his name's Mark Tremell. he did a game called Smash TV, he did NFL Blitz, NBA, you know, NBA Jam, you know, he doesn't own those games. Right. You know, like, like it, it, that's just, as an employee, you don't own the, the, the stuff. Right, um, I don't own this. <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, so, uh, so once you become part of Warner Brothers, I'm curious, where does Mortal Kombat versus DC come from? Uh, oh, did, did you did you ask them? Did you approach them, or did they approach you about it? No, actually, that wasn't Warner Brothers. That was part of Midway.
1: Oh, it was. At okay. At the very tail end of Midway, um, one of the sales guys um, uh, was, you know, uh, he was into, you know connecting dots, you know, connecting, you know, making deals, type of thing. And, um, he approached us and said, you know, what do you think about doing a Mortal Kombat versus DC thing? And and there was a novelty with us of, oh, wow, you know, it'd be fun to see Batman and Scorpion in the same frame. And there was a little bit of a who would win in a fight, um, uh, like fantasy type thing that could happen. And so... Um, so so they actually approached us to doing it and again it was at the tail end of the Midway um, thing right before the transition to... Into, so there, there was a lot going on, there was a whole lot going on and that, that's basically how that kinda came to
0: be. W- would you ever revisit that now that it's just all... <laughs> you literally work on just be smashing the two games you're working on together? No, I think in retrospect, in retrospect
1: Mortal Kombat part of its identity is the crazy violence, you know, yeah. like, like it's, it's, it's almost cartoonish at this point. Um, and we could not do that in MK versus DC. And, um, and so, and at the same time, you know, the, the DC games the you know, the DC universe is, is, it's not that dark and stuff. And so we, we kind of put two things together that, Are great in their own right, (laughs) but like what was to me what was so exciting is like at at, towards the end of that game we knew the next game was going to be a pure Mortal Kombat game, and the game after that was going to be a pure DC game, and that so it set the stage really great for like MK nine and Injustice.
0: Yeah. Well, I I do I have to ask you you know this that that dream crossover scenario. Street Fighter versus Mortal Kombat, yeah, is that a yeah. thing you'd even ever want to do, even if the, the, the politics of it could align, based on what you just said?
1: Yeah, there's, there's part of me that's like, you know, that would be such a cool dream, and then there's another part of me that goes, there's no way that would satisfy everybody. You know, like, even if we said, okay, it, it's rated M, so we can tear Ryu's head off. And, and you know, uh, I, I think that there's a... Um, the games play so differently, there's different pacing, there's different, you know, kind of fundamentals with both of them, that I think unless you just said, kind of like, I think um, Capcom tried to do it with, with Tekken. Tekken, yeah, I was yeah, just going to bring and, that up. And I mean, there were, there were other issues with that game, but like, you know, they said, okay, it's in the Street Fighter thing, and we're just going to bring Tekken characters right. and play in Street, Street, Street Fighter. and they were going to do the vice Is versa that never exactly, came around. Exactly, exactly. And, um, you know, as a fighting game fan, I was like, oh wow, that's cool, I'm going to see that. But it just, I don't know, there's something, it's hard to put your finger on that, like, one of the licenses or one of the things is going to have to sacrifice something. And um, I don't know if we'd be able to find that sweet spot of it. Um, but as far as, like, you know, from a game player standpoint or wouldn't it be cool uh, thing, that would be the biggest news, you
0: know. So, if, so fun. if Capcom calls tomorrow and says, Ed, we want to do this, You're gonna tell them. You're gonna say no. Well, I'd say, well, who's doing it? You guys. You. What if you get? What if they're offering it to you? And and
1: and And, and, I'd have I'd have to entertain it. I'd have to entertain it. And and you know, we we probably do like a whole ton of research with you know, Street Fighter players. What do
0: they want
1: and stuff like that. So. Well,
0: all right. There it is. Capcom. (laughs) Pick up the phone. Let's see. I, uh, I asked you that. Uh, what's what do you feel like is the biggest difference now uh, between the, the fighting game community now versus when Mortal Kombat first took off in the in the nineties? Oh, um,
1: organization. Um, you know, there's there's big tournaments all over the place. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, the, the, the online is a huge thing. Just you know, the, one of the biggest problems when arcades kind of went away was how do you find competition the, the whole fun of fighting games is you know defeating the guy a, a real person yeah you know being the best guy um, you know winning 30 in a row you know something like that being the one that everybody's trying to beat and stuff like that you know that kind of went away when arcades went away there's you know you might have a golf land or something one of these really high profile yeah. places that stuck around but for the most part that you know that that uh Really vital element in, in fighting games went away. And then online was introduced, and that kind of brought some of it back. But even that had lag and stuff, and we're just kind of catching up to that. Um, so I think that's the biggest thing: is, is um, competition and you know the direction we've taking it are you know we're getting a lot more elaborate into storytelling and, and, and whatnot, which you know some of the other games are kind of you know doing that too. Yeah,
0: I mean, it, it does does online is you know you were you told the, the the great anecdote earlier about the literal crowd around the machine and people f- being physically uh brought to run laps around yeah, it when it yeah. did something cool it does do you miss that like does does online because obviously online's great because it can connect people from anywhere but yeah, is there does, an element of that that's a little not sad but that's sort of that's like oh it's not the same
1: yeah it's definitely not the same i mean there's 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 a social aspect to it, there's, you know, while you're waiting, you're talking, looking, you know, commenting on yeah. the, the, the guys who were playing the game and stuff, that, that was a big, I, I'm sure, you know, lifelong friendships have been made because of fighting games. You know, like, like two people who were both into a certain game really got into it and had a rivalry and, and, you know, would go to different arcades, you know, I knew back in the day people would, you know, let's, they'd spend a the night Driving to different arcades and seeing who their competition and everything is, um, you know. So there's 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 like that social component that, you know, as cool as it is to play somebody, you know, across the country, you know, having somebody right next to you is always going to be a little bit more fun. Uh,
0: I am curious what what games do you like to play when you're not playing fighting games? As a guy who's designed almost nothing but fighting games um, for so long, you know,
1: I I, I don't I certainly don't have the time to like you know you know play a hundred hours of Grand Theft Auto or you know like some people yeah. like some people say yeah I spent a hundred hours in Skyrim you know I was like you know where did you find that time <laughs> and, and that was i um, um, I'd love to be able to do that but you know this job is very time-consuming it's in, in, in a number of, of, of areas um, so to the extent that I can I'll, I'll at least try to play a game to you know, take in what it is that they did was cool. Uh, you know, but like you know, I've I've played The Last of Us. You know, Gears of War, God of War, all of the uh, yeah. you know the the bigger uh, bigger name stuff. I played a little bit of uh, Fallout and stuff, Fallout Four, uh, too. But like I said, I just there's there's no there's no way unless all I did was play that game. You know, the games are so big now. You know, Fallout's like hundreds of hours of, of gameplay and stuff. Um, so it's I, I dabble in in a number of, of things, and some games will get your attention more, and some you know will um, will do it so. Like, but you know, and I also I'll play Street Fighter, I play Tekken, and stuff like that. So.
0: so, have 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 we ever accidentally maybe played against you online in, in Street Fighter? Maybe <laughs> uh, I definitely don't
1: put my real name up there and stuff like that. I did. I, I made the mistake of doing that once. I got all these. Friend requests. Yeah, that's what happens. kind of like, uh, but uh, so I kind of learned that lesson quick.
0: So you have had last question I have for you. Ed, is I mean you've had a, a absolutely fascinating and incredible thirty year career thus far. That's that's a long time in one field. Uh, you're certainly still a, a fairly young man. But do you ever do you think about retirement at any point? Where you know how many how many more games do I have in me? And do I want to you know? F- you mention how time consuming the job is. Yeah, so it is. Do you think about? Uh, about sort of only, the next phase of, of of things at any point. Only in the standpoint of, I think I have more
1: years behind me than I do ahead of me. Working like I there's no way I could see myself <laughs> in 30 years from now, like still making games, let well, alone being alive. Maybe 82 <laughs> year old
0: Ed Boone on uh, um, Mortal Combat 39. Yeah.
1: Um, so I, I don't, um, I don't, I don't see it from that respect. But at the, at the same time, you know, there's. With our studio, you know, we have like 200 people almost, you know, in the studio. There's, there's always, you know, an idea that comes out that, that excites everyone. You know, and so that's like the, you know, just when you're finishing a game and you're completely burned out and you, you kind of, you know, cross that finish line, you know, you find yourself having a discussion about how can we do this better and how can we do that better and it's just it's just like a natural um it's, it's, i guess like the seasons you know it's yeah. like, like it happens renewal. Like, yeah yeah exactly <laughs> Death and renewal exactly and uh so but but at some point you know um i'm sure you know I don't know when, though, because <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't really thought about you know, picking a date or anything like that. All, all I could safely say is I have more years behind me than, than in front.
0: <laughs> You're going to find a, a nice, quiet, tropical beach somewhere when injustice is done? Do you, you, you like to disappear for a little while? Yeah,
1: you know what? I, I, there's, there's a million things that I love doing outside of, 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 uh, of work. You know, I, I, I play basketball twice a week. I golf. I play, you know, piano, learning to play guitar, and you know, there's a ton of stuff um, that I'd love to do because I don't have time for that either. Yeah. You know, um, so I look forward to that in that respect. You know, so there's no way I would like retire and stop doing stuff. I'd have more time to play games. I'd have more time to do sure. those things. So that's that's. Pretty much how I look at it. All
0: right, well, Ed, thank you so much. Uh, Injustice Two is out May twelfth. Was that it? What's what? Sixteenth. What uh, What'd you put on your Twitter account? May May sixteenth. <laughs> that, that sent everyone into a frenzy. May sixteenth. 16th, May yeah. sixteenth. 16th, Injustice Two on uh, PS4, Xbox One, and uh, is PC as well, or just uh, we, the consoles. We haven't. Uh, we haven't. Not no anything. comment yeah, All right, no, fair. Yeah. On probably the platform of your choice. <laughs> uh, Ed, thank you so much. And for more from the best, brightest, most fascinating minds in the games industry, be sure to look for a new episode of IGN Unfiltered each and every month.